Hey book people, welcome to Books with Abna. On today's episode, I'll be talking about the reading culture in Ghana with my guest, Martin Egbleube. Martin is a senior lecturer at the Department of Physics, University of Ghana. He's the author of the collection of short stories, The Waiting, published by Lubin and Cleaner in 2020, and Mr. Happy Man and the Hammer of God and Other Stories, published by Ayebia in 2012. Martin was the commissioning editor for the anthology Resilience, published in 2021, and also co-edited the anthology of short stories, The Sea Has Drowned the Fish, in 2018, as well as the anthologies of poetry, Look Where You Have Gone to Sit, published in 2010, and According to Sources, published in 2015. He's a co-founder and a director of the Writers' Project of Ghana, and was the director of PEJA, a literary festival in Accra. He's also the host of the radio show, Writers' Project on CTFM. Welcome, Martin. Yeah, thank you very much, Abna. How are you? Well, I guess I'm doing okay. And yourself? <laughs> I'm good. So today we are talking about the reading culture in Ghana. You are a man who possesses many great talents and skills. The first time I heard you speak about the reading culture in Ghana was on the 11th of August last year at the University of Ghana, a program organized by the Samuel Bamiya Literature Prize. Your discussion on the poor reading culture in Ghana and what can be done to promote a positive reading attitude was very, very, very insightful. Would you like to tell us about the reading culture in Ghana? Just let's have a brief overview. Yeah, I, I think at first we have to see that there is not one reading mm. culture because there is not one culture. It's mm. not like it can be broken down into a sort of monoculture or anything. Um, the reading, um, the love for reading is uh, varying across demographic, um, which is not surprising. So the, if I would loosely put it in terms of classes, uh, the middle class is expected to have a certain type of um, reading culture, whereas other classes, uh, working classes, lower working classes, uh, unemployed, uh, political class, all of them have varying um, reading cultures. And then that also changes with age. So there is a certain point in a person's life which they don't really have much time to read unless mm. that's what they are doing for a living professionally. So it's a... It's very general to speak of a reading culture as if it were a monoculture. It isn't. So um, at the most basic level, what we would see essentially is that the publishing industry is not doing well mm. because people are not buying books. And this is easy to then appreciate as a sum because at the end of the day, you publish 10 books and one was bought. Mm -hmm. And so the extrapolation then is that people are not reading. Yeah. But the idea of a reading culture is not monolithic it is i mean it spread and varies uh, across um, economic um, spending power and age mm -hmm. mm. but um so i know you are a big reader yourself and you're a writer as well but tell us about your experience growing up as a reader were you that child who was always reading did you find it um were you able to do it outside your reading and um, your school curriculum or it was you found it very tedious walk us through 
your reading journey growing up? What authors did you enjoy growing up? Tell the truth, I was as a child, I was playing more than reading. <laughs> I was even playing more than studying or anything, so and I think that is uh, something which ought to be appreciated. I mm. mean, that you should play as a child. Yeah. And um, but there were, were books available, and so because I did like reading, I also did uh, reading. But I think that on the balance, I wouldn't say that I spent an inordinate amount of time reading. Yeah. I actually spent an inordinate amount of time playing because fortunately i had a good bunch of friends at that time mm -hmm. so yeah uh, there were lots of books available the school library was mm -hmm. uh, very well stocked that's the university primary school library i do not know the state of the library at this time but mm -hmm. back in the day it had lots of very interesting reading materials across all um, age levels and even beyond because some of the books that were there in the library were way the reading level was beyond uh, um, elementary mm -hmm. and then of course um, in the house we had a fairly good library there also on account of my father and so there were lots of books um, in the house the books were not children's books a lot of them were academic many of them were uh classical literature okay. and so that is i suppose where uh, i cut my teeth in reading mm -hmm. um, african literature actually um, which i didn't find very interesting at that time, at that time. Um, I, I i mean uh, there were other books i found more exciting and mm -hmm. i think that at, th at this point i don't have a i mean to this date my I just like good literature. I mean, mm -hmm. good writing. I don't really care where it's from. Um, and I don't care about the politics of the writer either. So yeah. um, I guess that came from having a very wide variety of books to choose from, from an early age. Okay. But do you remember any author in particular growing up that their work fascinated you a lot? You could just pick up their work at any time. Well, I mean, when you are young, there are rights, uh, there's stuff which um, fascinates you. When you grow older, you see it's just a grist. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody, well, I won't say everybody, but um, in, in my school, um, and it Blyton was a thing at the point, um, the Hardy Boys was, I mean, the, the pace setters. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if, well, that's what happened historically, and it's not uh, changeable. So maybe we can mm -hmm. uh, leave it at that without making any judgment on that. But in terms of what books uh, really struck my attention and interest in a way that I can remember, it's uh, mainly classical European literature. Mm. And um, I, I can point straight off. I mean, I think that one of the... Ellie, I believe I did read The Lord of the Rings before I then went on to read things like uh, uh, Kafka and uh, a little later on uh, some of the plays of Beckett. But so um, if I would point to, uh, I would point to Tolkien as mm. one of the f mm. uh, first, and this I read quite young. And in the library of uh, the university primary school, they used to have these Reader's Digest. And Reader's Digest yeah. was actually for an adult audience. It was really a collection and uh, distillation of the best books of the year, yeah. you know. And so I was reading a lot of this material, which whose writers, some of the, I, I mean, I can't remember mm -hmm. because of the way Reader's 
readers digest well so um i can point immediately to uh, tolkien i can mm. point to um to kafka uh, i do remember that i then uh, did read a little bit of uh, beckett i did the uh, waiting for godot uh, the em foster mm. um yeah so those are the ones that immediately come to memory and my memory may be shaky so it may not be a really exact uh, recollection but yeah yeah but let's move away from reading and let's come to writing you are a writer now but at what age did you start writing what what age do you think oh I think I could put down a piece or two. Yeah, it's a question that is I think a little bit nuanced because you know writing as soon as any child picks up the skill of writing they are writing things because mm. the point is not that they are able to write to convey uh, and children are full of stories so I think the key thing is that is there a story to tell that is coherent. Mm. So um in that sense I liked telling stories from much early on and and one of the things is when you are able, when you read I mean when you I suppose as a child replication is something that comes yeah. so you read and then you want to write something yeah. that like what you read you see so uh, the, I I started doing stuff like that um very very early on uh, in I mean maybe 6 or so but uh, I don't see that I, as definitive because i think everybody does that when they start uh, mm-hmm. reading but then it's in much later years that i would say that um, i did feel that i had um, stories to tell mm. that might be worth reading and i think it went through some phases first i thought i had things to tell that other people might be interested in and then later i thought that i had stories to tell that i myself am interested in and mm. bugger the people who want to read them anyway but um later i then sort of got to a balance where you have something to tell but you do know that people are going to read it mm. and they have a certain interest and so you have to to do it well yeah. you know you are not just writing things because i mean you want to you write want to but write. you have to calibrate the story so that people can appreciate you know and that i think takes some doing so in terms of becoming a writer that came much much much, much later, later in in life i mean uh, I would suppose that well into my early teens, I mm. don't think I was, uh, even though I was writing all the time, I don't think any of that stuff Can be. was uh, reasonable. Okay. But you're doing a good job as a writer and editor here in Ghana. Professionally, you are from a science background and you are currently the senior lecturer at the Department of Physics, University of Ghana. Is writing something you've always wanted to do? As a scientist, how do you develop and refine your writing and editing skills now that you are doing this and we recognize your work? Yeah, I don't know that it's... I guess this goes for many artists in general that... Um, I don't think that writing is something that you, at a point you'd want to do. You'd think of it as some sort of punishment that was inflicted <laughs> on you and probably want to do other things in your life really but um you you do have things that you want to 
to write about in terms of story so there's a certain story that you feel you'd like to tell and there it is a compelling enough reason to want to to write so in that sense it's not um it's more like uh, something that you feel that you have to do more mm. or less it's not really that you like it and I, especially for many prof people who are writing and come from different professional backgrounds yeah. it is very hard to do that too i mm. mean it is it's not like you have time to sit down reflect uh, drink your tea in the morning write, <laughs> and then i mean it's not like that you are doing the full grind mm. of a professional work so i think that it is um this is more of compulsion than will in terms mm. of writing but you do mention um working as a scientist um uh, it's it's a question that i have no answer to i get asked this question like <laughs> twice <laughs> Several a week times. and i don't know the answer I, because really i don't see maybe from the uh, uh, an external perspective it looks different but i mean if i think uh, the reason why we ask this question is because there are two different backgrounds is, so so is cooking and nursing <laughs> i mean what i'm trying to the point i'm trying to drive at is that it is something that the you are doing right so mm -hmm. sometimes it's like uh, how did i end up doing these two different things mm -hmm. and i like them right yeah. so i'm still doing them but i can't point to yeah i mean like i sat down and planned and i'm going to do this mm -hmm. and then i will do this as well and put the two together and there's a balance it's, it's really chaotic i yeah. mean you don't know what's happening all you know is that there are things to deliver at work you try and deliver them and mm. then there's a story idea you want to write mm. and you write it when you have the time and you just try to keep the balance one way or the other okay. yeah so when do you find time to write in a day yeah it's a good question depends on what i'm writing <laughs> isn't it? if it's storytelling i mean a lot i i there's there's no time i mean currently in my life i don't have time this is my problem <laughs> if, if you could lend me some of your life or maybe uh, we can add yeah, hours uh, to your your day yeah instead yeah, of 24 make it 32 all the people you. here can agree to die a year earlier. <laughs> give me the extra time yeah so the the thing is um there there's there's no time mm. i think this is general for most working people there's very little time available and so what I do generally, uh, fortunately, I have that type of mind uh, which can construct several different stories mm. uh, over long periods of time. And wow. they are pretty much developing in my head. So the day I find some and say, that, okay, so this is what I'm going to do or mm -hmm. I feel that this story is well enough done, I will then start to write it. And depending on what it is, it might take a week or two. I mean, these are short stories. Okay. So there are stories in my head all the time, three or four stories that are more or less being written in my head, I mm. should say. So if you count that as writing, then yeah, <laughs> I do it all the time. It's when I sit down with my computer with a pen and paper, then that's where the transcription starts. starts. Also, moving away from reading and writing, let's move to publishing. I always say that Ghana has writers and we have readers. However, there's a large gap in the middle, and that's publishing. You are the co-founder of the Writers Project of Ghana. Um, the system is broken. Currently, Ghana only prints textbooks and religious books. Um, says 95% of our books are printed here, are textbooks and religious books. As a result, there's a steady 
there's a slow but steady decline in the publishing of literary works such as um, of course creative work online magazines and stuff how do we fix this broken system or mend the huge gap in this um in the middle you know it's interesting you put puts it that way uh uh, you know, I, I can see that there's something which is, um, it doesn't seem to fit right, but mm. that is not necessarily indicative of something that is broken. You know, um, when you talk about, um, the fact that most publishing is educational and, uh, religious, mm. you know, I think that you, you would have to drill down a little bit deeper because, uh, religious books per se are not, um, an interesting. I mean, I can point to Dante's uh, Divine Comedy, mm -hmm. which is a really, really prominent work of art. Uh, so it's in the um, Middle Ages of, uh, I think it was in the 16th, Dante was, uh, I think, 16th or 17th century, century. Italian. And so, um, and that is actually a religious work, right? And it, it is of significant literary merit. Mm. So if there are the writings of that caliber being output currently, which I don't think is, is so. I think the point you are raising is that there are, there's lots of religious books, but they are not the kind of books that are of any merit anywhere. I mean, yeah. whether literary or anything, I mean, uh, seven ways to, mm -hmm. I mean, to get rich, etc., etc. So two ways to, to, to live a holy life. 22 ways to finish reading this book without opening <laughs> your eyes, etc., etc. You know, but I mean, so those, I mean, that kind of thing doesn't really have much uh, literary merit. Mm -hmm. So, um, if people were doing writing uh, a certain type of religious literature, which would stand up to uh, critique like mm. uh, the, these kind of things that I mean if you think about the something like um, the Faustian myth and uh, Marlowe's uh, the tragical history of Dr. Faustus that would classify very much as a, a religious play you know but it is a fantastic uh, piece of uh, drama um so if people were doing the religious thing and were doing it in a certain way there's it, no complaint and I for us for me I uh, I'm agnostic to what people are reading because I know I don't like what people like and I don't <laughs> expect people to like what I like. So <laughs> if uh, the, the key thing is people should be reading something because there mm. is a transferal of ideas, poisonous or not, yeah. that is done when you read. And mm. I think that we, I like the fact ideas go out and the bad ones will die, hopefully, mm -hmm. and good ones will live, but they have to go out. Yeah. And so in terms of the reading culture in general, I feel that people are not reading enough. That is the key thing. It's some of it is because people don't have sufficient free time. Mm. Uh, so people who do have the luxury of being able to go out and buy books may not have the time to read. Yeah. Uh, then there's also a clash of interests. I mean, people do not find sitting down and really? i mean i mean if you think about it just sitting down and holding a book looks rather foolish when you can <laughs> just be doing out going out something there doing else. something swimming watching football da 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 so um so there they are also com competing interests and then there are people who just don't have the money 
Yeah. So they may Books like reading and then they can't buy, you know, and the library system is comatose. Mm. Um, you don't have people, you know, there, there's, when we were much younger, it was, we, we'd didn't have all the books that we wanted. In fact, we, a lot of the books that I read, I borrowed from the friends high. because there were other friends who had money or had parents who could buy them yeah. these books and so you could borrow from them. If that is also broken because in the society or the school which you are, you don't have a few people whose parents have bought books for them, then, I mean, it's like you're dead in the water. So yeah. those are some of the, the things that... um uh, ought to be looked at but i feel really that if we push for people to read it catches on mm. because i think that if you are able to drink four bottles of beer over this weekend <laughs> my tally is that that is going to cost you about uh, 60 How much CDs. A bottle of beer? well don't don't ask me you know, <laughs> i'm just going to make estimations <laughs> <laughs> you could you, you could sacrifice two weekends of drink i mean people actually drink a lot yeah and at the end of the drinking you get drunk right <laughs> yes which i don't know that is the greatest i mean i've been there so you could sacrifice one weekend one of drinking weekend and drinking. buy a book you know which if you didn't read at least your children or something would read. Read so um i i think that the somehow interest should be generated yeah and I, I can't tell how, but something like what you're doing is probably uh, going to make people start to think that, hey, there's something different. There's a different way of doing this. Yeah. Um, and more people begin to, to read. I think it catches on. I always am fascinated when I hear things like, um, uh, I think it's Bulgakov, right? Uh, Master and Margarita. Uh, was sold 60,000 copies in an hour of being published and it was in 1960s uh, moscow i mean it's so there, there's there's something there that is different mm. you know how come and i don't know what kind of numbers are being done right now with all sorts of other books but here if you sold sixty thousand copies in three four years i mean you've done well you've done it's a bestseller well. you know yeah. but it's, it's, I think it's rather uh, cheap. We should do better. It's 30 million people in this country. I mean, there's no way we shouldn't have a book that is published and you have two, three hundred thousand copies yeah. going in a few months. You know? Yeah. But then the issue is that when we say that we don't read, there's also a problem of we don't publish here in Ghana. So I'm just taking Ghana versus Nigeria and just from the top of my head, I can mention about four or five publishing um, companies or press houses in Nigeria. And you can even tell that Ghanaians who are writing here, for example, P BCA Japan, she's publishing in Nigeria. Ghanaians who are writing here are running to Nigeria or even South Africa to go and publish. The, the problem is, I think we have the writers. I also think that there, there is a reading community here. But the issue is, how do we get both of these communities to come together in our society? How do we publish the books that the writers are, are writing and then hand them over to the readers? I guess uh, Nigeria is uh, an interesting example um, because the correct way to do it would be to um, check the number of publishing houses per capita and mm. the number of books published per capita because that population is really huge. It's huge. But having said that, uh, I do see 
that compared to other countries, especially in the West, yeah. um, even if you do the per capita argument, it is, uh, is the publishing industry here is in poor shape. Very. And I think also when you say that the people get the, they publish outside, things the other way around. Um, the publishers are able to identify writers they think they can sell. So mm. um, probably what's happening is that um, the publisher has identified, for example, that um, the teller of secrets, for example, yeah. is uh, something that is saleable in their area. And yeah. so they would like to publish it and take the rights and sell it, you see. So and it's something that local publishers can also try and do. But it's a... It's a marketing game. Mm. And I mean, if you gave me something to sell, I I, I can't sell. So mm. I know that people are marketers. Yeah. And so they can tell you the kind nature of the market and what they can sell and what they can't sell. Mm. So maybe uh, publishers team up with marketers. I don't know. I can't tell people what to do or how to do it. And then they know how they can approach the market what they can sell, how they can sell mm. it, etc., etc. But I think at a point, it is a hard-nosed business decision that is made, and the publishing arm with marketers, da 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 da, they can probably crack it. But yeah, um, the there are writers, um, there are publishers here, and if you think about it, in terms of um what it takes to i mean on the what does it take you get this a manuscript you get editors mm -hmm. you get uh, typesetters yeah. that, that i think you have sufficient numbers here and the question is once you have a, a completed typeset manuscript mm -hmm. taking it from there to a print house and then out from there into the market or wherever is now something that is dependent on marketing conditions mm -hmm. if you print thousand copies Will people buy? How will they buy? Etc. I can't answer it. Yeah. So um, let's move on to the Writers Project of Ghana. Um, what solution were you trying to offer when you you put out the Writers Project of Ghana? What was the problem that led to the Writers Project of Ghana? Hmm. It's interesting. The problem was the, the budget for who had to last time on the What is the reason? <laughs> no, I understand your question though. I mean, so um. At the bottom of it, the writer's project came about because um, friends like talking to each other and mm -hmm. wants to basically find ways, interesting ways of doing things they like. And I think this is the true thing. It's, it's, it's I mean, the, it's, it's true that when we had got together and we're doing stuff that we thought were fun, we thought, oh, let's put in this very thing like we are going to save everybody else and save the world <laughs> da, da, da. so we wrote some nice thing and said that yeah what we want to do is to um uh amplify the voices of Ghanaian writers which yeah. of course is a very decent thing to try to do um and also to um increase the interaction between the reading public and the writers yeah. um and in general find a way to increase output improve the literary culture mm. locally so these are the things that we felt that uh, what we had in mind could achieve and our way of getting this done 
was to create certain types of programming. Um, so we initially started off by doing uh, poetry readings on the lawn. So we just gather friends. On which lawn? Them. The lawn in front of my office. University of Ghana? Yes. Wow. How many so, years ago was this? Oh man, this is this ancient <laughs> stories like 2008, 2009. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, so we'll just then read our stuff and then have a chat and then that. Mm. But I mean, we, I've been doing these sorts of things um, since 2000. So, I mean, what you're asking for is specifically the Writers Project of Ghana. Mm. And so, um, uh, when, when Laban, uh, who is now dead, um, got in touch and we started this and we thought we should just do the Ghana Poetry Project and bring okay. more people together which we then formed into the Writers Project of Ghana. The idea is just keep bringing people, people. together, yeah. create space, do the interactions and um, have fun. I think that's one of the key things that um, you could actually do things like this in a very friendly atmosphere mm. which I say you can uh, it's it's not contesting i don't yeah. it's a way of a word so i mean we 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 understand that we are all doing different things but mm -hmm. we are all writers and then yeah. they, we, there's a space that we can uh, come and sit and then and talk without um yeah so um have you been able to accomplish what you set out to do with the writers project of ghana well, I think that uh, many of the things which uh, we anticipated have been uh, achieved or they are continually being mm, achieved. But mm. I wouldn't say that it's fair to say it's the Writers Project of Ghana doing then so because, I mean, there's a whole host of people who uh, are participating in it, yeah. uh, individuals, organizations, mm -hmm. etc. And so, I mean, um, I... I can think that it's more the literary community that is coming alive to all yeah. sorts of things, you know. Um, WPG has played a role, but um, I don't think I probably will be a very good person to say, quantify that role. Mm. What I can say is that the things which um, we've been doing are amplified by many other people. Yeah, uh, We've had lots and lots of great support across mm. the spectrum, and I have to actually say thank you to them there are so many people um and so in terms of um our programming i mean we do have our monthly reading series with the yeah. growth institute uh, yeah. ctfm very kindly and I, I we have to thank them also also thank the growth institute i mean what people do is incredible you know, CTFM is given an hour of radio yeah, time on yeah. Sunday evenings. And in doing this since 2009, that's an incredible amount of money to say for writers mm -hmm. of in Ghana, in Accra, you know. Uh, Growth Institute gives us a space for readings. And then they also give us their place for the festival. Pager. Pager. Yeah. And in addition, they give funding support wow. to bring in uh, writers, organize the thing you know and there are so many other people who do all sorts of things media houses who give us interviews mm. uh individuals who give us their time and some of these people are real professionals and you can pay them if you mm -hmm. wanted to so um yeah so i i would think that it's more the a community for the literary space mm. everybody who is there is chipping in somehow Same. and the whole thing is, uh, and it just happens to, so that it ties in with 
what uh, we wrote down on paper that year yeah. we want to achieve. Yeah. Uh, it's mm. not us, it's everybody else. <laughs> every, every year we get excited when we have to come for Paja. This, yeah. this year, hopefully, will be my third edition if I should come for this year's Paja. So you are doing a great job. It's, it's wonderful going to an entire weekend starting on Friday all the way with authors with different writers with people and everything so it's all it's thumbs up amazing job now let's go to your book which is the waiting which was published by in 2020 it's a collection of short stories and i must admit that i enjoyed the stories greatly the writing is beautiful it was funny it was witty but then again it focused on very zoomed in on very relevant themes something that i don't get to see in short stories because short story you just have a, a, a small amount of time to talk about to flesh out a full theme but your book did that and it was funny how easy or hard was it for you to write the waiting how long did it take to write publish no research write publish just talk to us about the writing journey for the waiting because it's a collection of short stories, the, the stories were written at different points in time. Mm. And um, some one of them at least had been published already as yeah. in the Kane Prize Anthology. That's the Gonjong Pin. Mm. So I suppose that would suggest that the writing process is, was varied because, mm. I mean, what went on for one story is different from what went on for another story it says that yeah. they all appear now in one collection um and so i think i, I actually i think there's only just um the, the core of that thing uh, the story itself the waiting um, um i i guess that that was the um the story around which all the other ones were built but yeah. many of them predated for example uh the going down of Pastor Min to me or something I've been writing since twenty eleven or so. I mean, so that story had been growing incrementally yeah. and then it was when I said, Well, maybe let me put together a collection that I finally did the fin the last edits Edit. of that. Mm. Uh, of uh, the going down of Pastor Min to me and many uh, lots of credits go to uh, Nia Ikwe Parks who mm -hmm. was my editor on that collection. Wow. He did point out lots of uh, uh, things that improved the, the, particularly that story a mm -hmm. great deal. Uh, and also the title story, The Waiting or something I'd been writing uh, also uh, I think a fairly long time. Mm -hmm. um, and then the one which I wrote most quickly I think was uh, a photograph of KNS. Oh wow! Um, I don't tell you that, that that took such a short time. Yeah, because that was a story that was already prepared in my mind. You see, so yeah. Uh, and then um, I I can't even. And then the last one also took a bit of uh, doing. Uh, mm. I think I forgot the title of that one. Wow! So I mean, the crawling sorry. caterpillar. The crawling caterpillar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, okay, I already told you about the gunjong pin. The gunjong pin was written. A space of about a week or so during wow. the Kane Prize workshop in uh, Zimbabwe in 2014. Yeah, so the it's the each story has its own uh, story. story. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> story. yeah, that's 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 how it was. But um, in the end, I looked at a number of the stories that would um, 
fits together. Mm. And then uh, I had been speaking to uh, Nipax mm. already. And so he got the collection and uh, he also is extremely busy. So it did take some time. I mean, I think the manuscript also for uh, some time, a fairly long time. And then he, uh, once he got to it, though, it was a really good working uh, mm. It was really good working uh, relationship and the ordering, for example, of the stories is entirely uh, his doing. Uh, wow. He decided which story comes way uh, and as is the cover design and all, all that. Wow. So, I mean, uh, lots of credit go to uh, Flipped Eye Publishing. Okay, but where do we find copies for the weights? And yeah, this is the thing. Uh, I believe that. Um, <laughs> as far as I know, mm-hmm. local copies are exhausted. Okay. But mm-hmm. the University of Ghana Bookshop, okay, uh, Vidya Bookstores, okay, uh, Booknook.store, mm-hmm. um, when copies are available, they will be there. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, you could order directly from Amazon, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, and in which case, you will definitely get copies because mm. they run a uh, print-on-delivery service as well on Amazon. Okay. So, yeah, um, hopefully you get more copies of the waiting uh, soon, in, soon in town. But yes, yeah, for people who really want a copy, they should order. I think that would be there. Okay, from we we can Amazon, wait. Yeah, but no, yeah. no, don't wait. Order, order, <laughs> order. The okay. Earlier the better. I mean, we'll uh, order. So, um, you you are one of the judges for the Samuel Banya Literature Prize. You you're also the commissioning editor for some anthologies. I believe that you have seen what these emerging writers in Ghana what they are doing, the work that they are putting out. But from your point of view, what would you say are some of the common mistakes? The emerging writers make what is the make or break point for writers here in ghana uh, if i do say these things uh, i only have to be very general mm. because uh, ultimately um it's a story and the the reason why a story resonates with with people it, it cannot be properly uh, quantified mm. uh, if you look at Amos to two i keep saying that even the publishers, Faber and Faber, might have been trying to make fun of Amos Tutuola when they published uh, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts. Because I don't see that kind of script going through, I mean, any modern um, editorial process. Mm. They'll kick it out. Mm. You won't get anywhere. But that, those st- stories by Amos Tutuola, um, probably the amongst the biggest uh, um books from Africa in the past century, you know. And so um, if I can I can answer your question, but it has certain uh, parameters which yeah. we don't want it to transcend. And if it does, I mean, it's just um, because there's no other way. So, <laughs> I mean, I've read stuff. One of the key things I can say is that writing is a craft. Mm. It's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. Yes. So we know stories that work and stories that don't work. Mm-hmm. And writing is storytelling, essentially. When you are talking about the uh, literature, they're trying to tell a story, you see. And so 
it's a good idea in the first instance to have a grasp of the language in which you are telling the story. Mm. So whatever the language, you should have a certain grasp of it so, so that you can transmit ideas coherently. I mean, yeah. it's... I. And then there is uh, there are things like structure mm-hmm. because the human mind works in a certain way. So if your story is all over the place, yeah. I mean, and the complexity doesn't worry people. Human beings are able to pass really complex things. So the problem is not that a story is complex. The problem may be that um, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, one way of um, training your writing is to read. So as I said, this has been something been going on for thousands of years. So there's lots of material. And anybody who is a reader has also already become familiar with many, many different types of writing. Mm-hmm. So they can tell when your story is not something they like. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the first thing I would say is that anyone who is writing should familiarize themselves with a lot of Reading. other work, of course. And then um, uh, I have... Um, understanding that there is a, a story that they will want to tell and mm. also have a, a grasp of of language mm. you know um at this point i can say quite distinctly that you can let language do something in the story apart from transmitting an idea wow. so you the way in which the writing is done in itself can be something of the appeal mm. you know and i i they say a lot of people uh, like Beckett because of his linguistic dexterity. He, the way he would write uh, and present even something that is quite mundane mm. in um, such, uh, I don't know, it's really um, beautiful. I think that would be the thing in, the in, in, in the way he, he would present something. Even though if you are familiar with him, you can tell that it is beautiful, but darkly so. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think so. We also see similar in the, the work of Joyce, for example, uh, James Joyce, which the language itself is playing a big role in the telling of the story, you know. So um, there are many things that a person who is writing can look out for. Yeah. Um, but the key thing is to be dogged. I mean, nobody ever writes a good story from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So just keep at it and mm. really at when you are, you are starting you shouldn't really listen to people who are giving you advice like me <laughs> you just keep writing i mean at the point uh, things start falling in place and then yeah. you can come and listen to an editor yeah. yeah okay so we are wrapping it up but let's let's talk about let's talk about books currently and what are you reading are you reading anything currently you know, <laughs> i just finished being judge of a um, as a selection process which led to my reading about 62 no that's uh, i'm just talking about the recent one which is what you asked us so about 15 pages per so that's times 60. so i mean that's like a thousand five hundred or something pages that wow. i just so i am reading but. a lot <laughs> but um is it um like <laughs> this is what i'm reading i think my career, what i am trying to read right now mm. and i read multiple books at the same time yeah yeah so i mean i think what i have in my bag is a uh, uh, franz fanon and um, black skin white masks it's mm. not uh, a book of literature it's 
Yeah, and attempts to examine the craziness of black people, etc. So, I mean, I think it's a fun read. And then, what well, in terms of, uh, I don't know, I have a number of open books. That's you've not completed. They're just in the middle somewhere. Yes, yeah, so or some yeah. sometimes in the first few pages. I okay. mean, when I get time, then I read. So. But can you can you make a book recommendation for us? Um, maybe five. Yeah. Look, so the thing is that if I'm recommending books, I'm telling you the kind of books I like. So if you yes. if I mean, you start them and, and you don't like them, please stop. <laughs> throw them away and <laughs> them. buy another one. I mean, I can say the books which I have found very significant yeah. in my life, yeah. um, and some of which I feel that are really worthy of. Um, so I can point to, and I will be quite global in my scope I and mean, i'll talk ahead. about Ghanaians and i'll talk about non-Ghanaians. Okay. from the Ghanaian perspective i will surely point to kujolin mm. and uh, i think that for all intents and purposes i uh, have a lot of respect for the work that yeah. kujolin did um with his his books so i would recommend kujolin for sure um of course i and sometimes i get in trouble for this i, <laughs> I <laughs> so maybe i won't go there uh, oh, the please next, go there. No, the, <laughs> the next I would point to, uh, you know, the, the Russian literature I find is very Russian powerful. Literature. Yes, in many ways. And I, I would defer a lot to, to Russian literature. So, mm-hmm. for example, I find that Dostoevsky is extremely, I, I think Dostoevsky's writing are extremely important to examining the lived human experience and um of course there is a tolstoy but then yeah, i mean you could just cool. keep going around and around but i think that in terms of trying to examine the human spirit dostoevsky mm. does a very fine examination and so i would always uh, offer that up mm-hmm. um, i think that uh, bulgakov also shows what it is that is possible you know when you are writing so i will point to master and margarita yeah as a really really fascinating uh, work and then of course i if you want to <laughs> if, if, if you have muscles i would recommend also um beckett uh, very mm. fascinating uh, if you take uh, even what for example it's extremely I, all his books which mm-hmm. i have I, I tried to read mm-hmm. everything is it's, it's well recommended mm. Um, and then, of course, uh, even just for the way that the ideas are presented and uh, also an examination of uh, more or less a kind of nihilistic examination of the lived experience, I would recommend also uh, Kafka. Okay. Um, we can, I mean, there are so many. We have not uh, yet started on about uh, our Nigerian friends. Yes. Uh, in the current uh, contemporary writers, yeah. I mean, uh, if you want someone who does short stories and uh, you laugh from beginning to end, mm-hmm. I would recommend Chuma Nyokulu. I mean, his, his short stories mm-hmm. are hilarious. And even his novels, like uh, Diaries of a Dead African, I mean, this is yeah. someone who understands what it, what makes a story come alive through mm-hmm. humor, you know. And so, um, yeah, these are some, some titles uh, or some authors I can recommend. recommend. And um, I must say that if you pushed... I'll probably be able to give dozens and dozens, but um, I think that may not be. Maybe we'll come back to you for a written yeah. so we can attach it to this particular podcast. Or uh, written people, recommendation. People can just do uh, Google. You know, at, at a point, eh, what I feel really happens 
is that you develop the reading through your community. Yeah. So, like, uh, I point to uh, uh, Bogakov. I didn't know Bogakov existed even five, six years ago. Somebody pointed it exactly, out Exactly, the you. book club, you know. Yeah. And then I yeah. find it, and it's exactly the kind of story that I... I would would like, mm. and then there's Nabokov, and then there's uh, this, this Japanese guy Murakami, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so there there are all these. It's a whole galaxy, and if we think about it, more books are being published than can ever be read. Yes. So it's the the only thing that you can do really is to develop your own reading mm -hmm. circle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Martin, for joining me on today's episode. I am really grateful that you honored my invitation to be here. Um, also, I want to say that we have an email for the podcast. But Martin, wait, I just forgot. Where do we find you on social media? Are you on social media? Well, uh... <laughs> on Instagram, on so Twitter, the, so Facebook. The, so the thing is, if you can find me, mm. then you have. If you can't find me, then you. But can't are you find on social media? I, I I am on social media, but uh, my presence is muted. Mm. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. On Facebook, same name. No, I mean, the, so if you can't find me, don't worry. I mean, <laughs> so those who have found me have found me. I I you can't really interact with me via social media. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. An email. Probably. Yeah. If you need, really need to, you can contact Abna. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Her podcast. <laughs> You're putting me in a very tight color. She, 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 she can then redirect to redirect yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not impossible to find. Yes, yeah. he is not. He is not. Anyway, thank you so much, Martin, for being here. Uh it's my pleasure. Um the podcast has an email. You can talk to us on bookswithabna at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at bookswithabna. Until then, bye. Abra, bro, bro.